Welcome to a podcast from Corvallis Church in Corvallis, Oregon. Corvallis Church is committed to engaging our community, serving our neighbors, and growing in faith and friendship. Let's sit back and enjoy this heartfelt message from Pastor Mike Miller. If you'd like more information, you can visit us at corvallischurch.com. Let's listen in. Today, we're going to start with our unction, our drive. What, what is the impetus of this? Um, and we're going to look at who is God and who does God say we are. And, uh, and then we're going to get into, uh, next week, we're going to talk about the idea that we were, were, it's called Never Alone next week. And it's going to be a little different. We're going to have this, it's going to be set up in here different. Um, we're going to, uh, it's going to be more participatory. It'll be really fun. Um, don't, don't freak out. We're not going to have you preach or anything, but uh, it's going to be a fun week. <laughs> uh, if that, actually, if that disappointed you, talk to me. I'd love to help equip you to preach. Um, the world needs more preachers. So never alone. The next week is Everybody Plays, and that's going to be a multi-generational service. And uh, we're going to involve the youth, um, but also talk about the importance of the barriers that mankind puts up, the divisions that we have. Um, can be hurtful to the purpose of the church. So the idea that we're n- everybody plays, and then we're going to end with a summary about what is at the core of love changes everything. I wanted to give you a roadmap of where we're going this month, um, because this month is the defining month of who we are. Um, if you've been sticking around us and you haven't f- engaged with the Discovery Workshop or, or becoming equipped to serve as part of the Dream Team, um, this is a great month because it, we're really going to highlight and summarize the core of who we are um, and then in November, uh, we kick off and we're going to be studying the writings of John for a long time. And so that'll probably take us to Easter. We're going to go back to, uh, we're going to go to uh, uh, book by book preaching and uh, really dive into the, the word of God. So I wanted to give you an idea of the roadmap of where we're going. Okay. Before we get started today, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 3 verses 1 through 17. And we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus. Um, there's urgency. Um, we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus and just something in there that just struck me and caught my eye and has caused me to fall even more and more in love with Jesus. Um, just in the moment of his, his interaction with John the Baptist. So we're going to be looking at that today. Um, what I'd like to do now is, uh, you know, life is full of interruptions. And I'd like to pause and pray because what that siren means is that there's, they're calling our volunteer uh, first responders in the community to something. And uh, those of you who know Jesse, she's part of our church. She's on that team. So I was worried about her every time I hear that. So um, would you pray with me for whatever's going on? Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I give you praise and glory that you are on the throne. And uh, I thank you that uh, we have nothing to fear, that you are good. Um, but I pray right now that whatever that call is for, your hand would be on it and there would be uh, miraculous healing and restoration and, and a covering of grace and peace. And I do pray for Jessie right now and pray for her protection and that she would be a source of kindness and good and love and, and help. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Before we get into the text, I wanted to ask you think about something. Just uh, think about your future, short-term, long-term. 
Is your future full of, is it dark or is it light? Is there dread or is there hope? Because that's what it comes down to. What do we think about our future? And what reason do we have to think that way? What we're going to look at in the text today is the invitation that Jesus has for us and God's declaration over us to where no matter what we're facing, we always have a reason to hope, no matter what. And there's this powerfully bold declaration and this little interaction that we're going to look at today in the text. So will you read along with me? We're going to start at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 3, and we'll end at verse 17. Um, the Bible will be on the screen. There's a Bible in front of you. Um, if you're on your devices, uh, go ahead and turn there. Flip to Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will, be, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat unto them into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to baptize. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Today, I read all of that to focus on the very last verse where a dove descends, a voice comes from the heaven that says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. If you look back in your Bible at the headers of what has happened so far in the book of John and the life of Jesus, I want you to notice something. Jesus hasn't performed one miracle, hasn't one done, done one good work yet. 
This is the introduction of Jesus as an adult. This is where the adult Jesus enters and God declares his favor over Jesus for what reason? What reason is given there? The only reason God has pleasure with any of us where he says, this is my beloved son. You see, God declares his favor on us because of our relationship to him. God boldly declares that he is pleased with us, that he loves us because we are his children. God's love for you is never based on your performance. You see, God doesn't validate us the way we validate each other. We validate each other by whether or not your actions bring me me pleasure or whether your actions are in line with some moral code that I hold and then I validate you when you do things that are in line with what I think is good. And human nature is that when people step outside of what we think is good, we withhold validation, at least. At the worst, we offer condemnation. You see, God validates us based on our position with him and our relationship to him. Beloved son. And if you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You love your children, not because of anything they've done. And it's been proven as they go out, go throughout life and they make mistakes and they do stupid things. How many, how many here has a child that's done something silly or dumb? How many of you were a child that did something worse? Right? We love because of relationship and that's the only way to have true love that's the only way to have unconditional love is to love someone for who they are and not what they do that's hard for us people but i want you to hear this right now because of his relationship with you you are god's beloved child and he is well pleased with you because you are his child. And I know you're saying, yeah, buts, just stop right there. No, there's no yeah, buts. God knows everything that you've done and everything you will do and every mistake you'll make and every dumb thing you'll do and every time you'll get selfish and lash out at somebody. He knows. God God loves you perfectly. That means that, it, that today where you sit and where you stand, it is impossible for God to love you anymore no matter what you do. Cease striving, the Old Testament says. Cease striving and know that I am God. Know that we are in relationship and I love you. You are loved. You are loved. That word where he says, I am well pleased, um, Actually, in the Greek, that is, I am well pleased. That's one word in the Greek. That's, one, that's just a declaration that someone would make over somebody in one word, um, eudokio. And it, takes, it means to take pleasure in a person. And it stops there. It's like the person is who I take pleasure in. Do you know how freeing it is that God takes pleasure in us? That it's impossible for him to love us more because of our performance? 
Because maybe you're here and you feel like uh, you don't belong in a church with all these goody goodies. They don't know what I've done. If they knew, they'd kick me out. Uh, or maybe you um, are a thriving Christian and you're growing and you're struggling with something and uh, you're having a hard time overcoming something and you're feeling guilt and shame. Maybe you have a root heart of bitterness towards people and you just can't shake it and you know it. Maybe you're a crusty Christian. Maybe when 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 8 years ago, a month ago, you said these words because a preacher told you to, that you accept Jesus as your, into your heart as your Lord and Savior. It should disturb us that that phrase is nowhere in Scripture. Okay? That this idea that I can say something when I'm 8 and then never have to grow again. No matter where you are, though, you are loved. You're loved. It's almost like the message of God is this. I know you. And then he listens to all your yeah buts. I know, I know you. Yeah, but I, no, I know you. I can't do that because I, I know, I love you. I love you, I'm with you, I'm your dad. You're my child, I love you. But I did, I know, right? And then you finally get to the point where you accept and embrace God's love for you. And then I could make a case for summarizing the rest of scripture as now live accordingly, right? If you realize that the God of the universe loves you, what do you want to do? How do you want to respond? You're made in his image. You're going to want to do the things that look a lot like what the Bible calls obedience, right? Not because you're trying to obey God, because, but God, the way God designed us is that the appropriate response to his love is everything he tells us to do. Not because he told us to do it, but that's because that's what love wants to do. When you love somebody, you look for ways. You'll invent ways to forgive them, right? If you love somebody, you will believe a lie in order to act in a spirit of forgiveness. Like we are desperate to live in the freedom of the gospel. But we get lost sometimes and we forget. God's love is all we need to do everything he has created us to do. And I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying. But that, that's, it's way more complicated than it sounds, but it is that simple to express. Because if I know that God loves me, put it this way, um, there is no one on planet Earth that knows me better than Heather. And if Heather says something about me, it carries a lot more weight than if you do. No offense, right? Um, Heather is honest with me, she's truthful, she loves me, she sees me, she knows me, she knows my weaknesses, she knows my tendencies, she knows my quirks, she knows my, every, she knows my odors, like she knows everything about me, right? And if she deems me as acceptable and lovable, then I'm not going to put that pressure on someone else. Because we are designed to need validation. We need someone to affirm us. We're designed to need it. There's, a, there's an article written about this very thing and the nature of depression, bipolar disorder. Um, I'm not saying that those aren't real things because they're very real things that, we, that the medical community is addressing in a lot of creative and good ways. But there is this essence of our longing to need to be validated. 
for example, in the nature of bipolar disorder, there usually is, in the extreme cases of emotional bipolar, um, the person would usually associates with a celebrity or a religious figure or a god, and they create a fictitious relationship with that very important person that gives them validation. And this comes out in small ways in human nature. Have you ever told someone something and you, you thought of it, but you're like, oh, they won't believe it if I tell them I thought of it, so I'm gonna tell them someone else thought of it. You ever done that? Am I the only one? Like, I'll say, like, I read this in a book, da, 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 but it's like my own thought, but I feel insecure that, that it won't be validated, so I claim that someone else said it. Um, so that's, that's just a small taste of what I'm talking about, how we need the affirmation and validation of others in order to give us the confidence to do what we're called to do. And so... The love of God is all we need because nobody knows you more than God. Nobody loves you more than God. Nobody sees your future, knows your past, knows your sins, knows the things you think you're hiding from him. He knows them all and he loves you and he calls you his beloved child. And when we embrace that, when we wake up every day and we embrace the love of God every day that we are loved by God, the creator of the universe, the most important, influential, powerful thing that has ever existed created me in his image for his purpose and he knows me and he has a plan for me and he's mapped it out and he's with me I'm not alone he loves me he forgives me he restores me he is my everything if I claim that validation from God then I don't look to other people to give that to me because I they can't and when we look to other people to give us the validation only God can give, we are forever feeling inadequate. We're forever feeling like we're not measuring up because humans aren't capable of giving us the validation that only God can. Does that make sense? So if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're putting the pressure on them to, if you're, if you're courage, identity, security, peace, provision, comfort, if you're dependent solely on another human, for that, you will be disappointed because the person you're dependent on is just as fickle as you are, right? We're all fickle, we're trying, but that's why God being consistent, never changing, unconditionally loving, always forgiving, fully restoring, knowing the future, knowing the past, being a constant source of validation and love gives us the courage to do what he has designed and created for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says we are created, God was created us to do the works that he has laid out for us to do. And if we don't embrace every day that we are loved by God, we will not have what we need to do what he's called us to do. So all we need is the love of God. I feel like John Lennon right now, like all we need is love, right? But let's look at this interaction with Jesus. Because God's love of Jesus was declared before he did any miracles or performance. But what about the peace? Because when I think of this, I think, wow, that just sounds all rosy, Mike. How come I don't feel it? That's a very valid question. If God loves me, how come I don't feel it? How come I still feel inadequate or insecure? Some of that comes from in our past, people lied to us and treated us like we weren't 
people worthy of love. People treated us in a way that is contrary to God's view of us. They hurt us, they abused us, they manipulated us, they lied to us, they used us. And maybe we're believing that is who we are. Maybe. Maybe that's why there's no peace. Maybe we've done something in our past that we just can't believe that God would forgive. So we're not feeling the peace. Maybe we're living a life right now that is so full of hypocrisy that we don't even, we, we can't even settle down to who we really are in our heart before God to receive his love. There's a lot of reasons why we won't feel peace, but I'm going to overgeneralize and summarize it here by looking at this passage. And I think it's going to be helpful to all of us. Let's look at Jesus' baptism, right? Because this ultimate expression of God saying, because you are my beloved son, I am well pleased with you. I don't know about you, but that's like my heart sings to hear that. Like, I'm wide open to hearing God say that. That is my source. And to hear God say that I'm acceptable in the face of all of my brokenness is transforming. It changes me. But Jesus heard those words. When did he hear those words? Look at the text. Look at verse 17. When did Jesus hear those words? Or let's, I'm sorry, verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. As Jesus was coming up from the water, a dove, which always represents the Holy Spirit of peace, right? Descended. As Jesus was responding from his obedience to being baptized, because that's basically what he told John as to why he should be baptized. He said, I should be baptized in obedience to the prophecy that God had laid out before. So when he submitted to God's will, to to the prophecy for the sake of God's purposes and dedicated his life to that purpose, when he, he willfully gave that over, as he went up, the dove descended down. As he went up. Now, that Greek word for uh, as he went is the past tense version. Um, it's anabahino. Ana, it's a past tense version of the charge in the Great Commission to go and make disciples. He went up is the past tense version of go, right? So that's the same thing for us. When, when we respond to God's commands with obedience, when we respond to God's, it's not commands, it's mission. When we respond to God's mission with our life, with obedience, that is where peace rests. And, and if you think about this in your life, it, you don't have to go too far, right, to, to see how this makes sense. God tells us in Matthew 15 that if there is an offense with a brother, we go to that person and we confess or we confront, or we, but all for the purpose of reconciliation. And before you do that, you're living in offense. You've offended someone. Someone's offended you. And there's this tension between you. You just can't have peace with that person. When do you have peace with that person? Not by ignoring them. You can ignore them. You can, cha- you can move countries. You could change your name. You could move, you can get plastic surgery, you could change everything about your physical being, and you will not have peace. The only path to peace is 
exactly what Jesus teaches is to directly confront that person in a spirit of love. And then on the other side of that obedience is peace. You see, so the, the only place peace exists is on the other side of obedience. That's where we have God's peace. So let's not confuse the love of God with the peace of God. There's a lot of peace in the fact that we're loved, right? Because that gives us the courage. I had a friend who used to say, hey, man, I, you know, I just learned something in my life that, you know, as I go throughout life and I have to make decisions, I just follow the peace. I go to where peace is. And where I feel peace is where I go. I've always had a struggle with that because I can't imagine that when Jesus submitted to baptism, knowing full well that he was going to be crucified on a cross, betrayed by his friends, and, and face the depths of hell, and bear that burden on all of us, that he was just at peace with that. He wasn't. He sweat blood. He was so not at peace with that. He faced it through obedience because he believed in the hope of the peace to come for all mankind. So when we have these things that we're facing that we like, oh, I know what I got to do. How many of you have something in your life right now that you know you should do that you haven't done? Right? Why haven't we done it? Do you know how to do it? Yes. Do you know how to learn how to do it? Thank you to Uncle YouTube. We can all learn how to do stuff, right? Uncle YouTube, that's what I call it. Like the things that I wish I had an uncle that taught me how to do. I go to YouTube and Uncle YouTube teaches me stuff, right? But we all have stuff in our lives that we haven't done that we know we should do. And this isn't a self-help seminar, but I'm telling you, this really helps yourself, right? If you can see the peace that will come on the other side of that as your motivation and use the fact that you are loved by God and he's already had victory over that thing that's stopping you, that you share in the victory because you know we're, we're sons and daughters, right? That means we're entitled to an inheritance. That inheritance is victory. And if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and don't lean on your own understanding, your own understanding says that's too hard. I don't want to do it. I don't know how. Trust in the Lord to do the thing that you know the Spirit is telling you to do. And on the other side of that is peace. And here's a rabbit trail that we can't go down because as Christians, and I, maybe it's just a human thing, we want to know why before we think we can overcome something. Like, I want to know why I have a hard time whatever and we like oh deep psychological background and my parents were this and my my great grand uncle had this thing and so i probably have this thing or why did i do this when i was a teacher who told me this once when i was five and you don't have to know why something exists to kick its butt right i don't have to know why insecurity exists to just say i'm claiming who i am in jesus and i'm moving forward because the rabbit trail to why is like that's that's the rabbit hole that never ends, right? Um, because that always looks for someone else to blame. And in the kingdom of God, blame doesn't matter because it's all been forgiven anyway because of the blood of Jesus. So now we claim that victory and we move on. So there's an obedience that we're called to. And here's, my, here's one of the, the struggles that we have in our culture right now as a preacher. There's a few words that I think have been just hijacked in our culture that, that make us go, ooh, especially as these independent, independent strong Americans, right? When the, word, the, the Bible talks about the word submission, ooh, I'm not going to submit to anybody, or obedience, like, who am I, just someone's dog? I'm just going to obey. 
There's this pride in us that comes up. And, but let me just tell you, unless you are God, which none of you are, none of us are, we are, we are submitting and obeying something. You can't get around it. It's the nature of who you are. You're either submitting to the desires of the world or you're submitting to uh, some philosophy or you're submitting to the authority of the, uh, you know, paleo eating plan or you're submitting to the authority of the, the P90X workout thing or whatever the, I forget what the new one's called, but you could tell that I don't really care. Um, <laughs> right? You're submitting to something. You're acknowledging something has better answers than you do and you're doing that. And the obedience part, you know, you, if you had a pure heart view of the scripture, you wouldn't need the word obedience. You'd look at it and go, oh yeah, that's what my heart wants to do. Like, thou shalt not murder. That's a good one. I don't want to murder anybody anyway, so I'm not going to do that. Thank you, God. <laughs> right? Love, love your neighbor as yourself. That's good. That's what my heart wants to do. Love your enemy. Oh, now slow down. <laughs> love my enemy. Well, I need to wait till my enemy's lovable before I love my enemy. Honor your father and mother. Uh, honor my father and mother if they're honorable. Right? No. Because when we br bring the obedience to the love of God into those situations that, that, that require a barrier, that require us to overcome something in our flesh, that is when we bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. Because we're taking something that is broken and we're applying love to it, and it's providing healing and restoration. How many of you saw the forgiveness of, uh, I forgot her name, but the, the woman who was convicted of murder this week? Right? There was a woman convicted, convicted of murder. You should look it up on YouTube. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a beautiful video of a young man who extends forgiveness to his brother's murderer in the courtroom and tells her, and this is the line that I love. He says, I want you to know that I love you as a person. Because what he's doing is what Jesus does. He's saying that your performance doesn't change my love for you. That your value is because you exist. You're lovable because you breathe. You're lovable because you carry the image of God. You're lovable because there's hope for you. And it was the most beautiful. I couldn't, I watched it three times and cried every time. And then I love what the judge did. Watch the longer video because the shorter video cuts this out. The judge is standing up there listening to this guy, and this guy says, can I, I know this is probably unorthodox, I don't know if this is allowed, but can I give her a hug? And the judge pauses, and she just says, yes, you can. And then afterwards, they show this, the judge, she dismisses herself for a moment, and she goes back to her chambers, and she comes back with the Bible, and she gives it to the convicted woman, and all you can hear, there's some other talk, but she says, you start here. Because what the young man did, he says, I want nothing but the best for you, and I believe the best for you is if you give your life over to Jesus Christ. Because on the other side of this is where the peace is, is what he's saying. I want you to have peace, and giving your life to Jesus 
is where the peace is. So if you think of your future and you're dreaming about what it looks like, if there isn't hope and light and joy, you can have that today by submitting to the obedience of Christ. Jesus gave us the example where he said, be baptized. That is the symbolic thing of my old life is dying and there's a new life that is emerging, a new source of who I am. And Jesus is just reminded, and we are all reminded how clearly the message of God is. It says when we respond to his, his call in obedience, as we come up, he is pleased with us because we are declaring our position as his children. The love of God is always there. The peace of God is on the other side of obedience. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, he's not declaring that of all the world religions, Christianity is the best. <laughs> no, he's saying that love, embracing our position as God's children, is the only way to peace with God. And the example he gave of claiming our position as God's children, is to declare him in our heart of hearts as our Lord and Savior. And then we follow him in this act of baptism. So no matter where you are in your faith, if you're here thinking like, I just don't really belong here, if you're thriving and you have some issue that you're struggling with, no matter what, it comes back down to the very same thing every day where we put on the mind of Christ, we put on the heart of our identity, we claim our role, and we respond to God and we hear his confirmation. Because you are who you are, I am well pleased with you because of our relationship. So you may have heard that you know, the Christianity is about like, it's about, it's about relationship, not religion. That's the essence of what this is. So I wanna invite you to peace today. If you, if you thought about your future, and there are, there are moments where you thought about peace, but there was something in your life that didn't bring you peace. Maybe today your response of obedience is to declare the Lord, declare Jesus as the Lord of your life, that you want to live in the appropriate response to being loved by God. Maybe you feel trapped in sin and you can't see peace because you've tried and you tried and you tried and you can't overcome it. Jesus teaches us that the path to overcoming sin, repeated habitual sin in our life, is to confess our sins one to another. That does not sound peaceful, does it? But the truth is, when we go through life together, we're strengthened. When we confess something and we say it out loud, it gives us more power than if we kept it inside in the dark. When we bring things to the light, that's where God can bring healing. So when we respond to God's call with obedience, he responds with peace. Maybe you live in a community or an environment where you're constantly being reminded that you're not good enough. I 
want to tell you the people that are making you feel like you're not good enough are on the opposing team of God. They are not talking about you or to you the way God does. And if God has declared that he is pleased with you, that can be enough, but you'll only feel that peace if you're in a relationship with him. Otherwise, it just sounds like religious mumbo-jumbo. The Bible refers, in, I was trying to figure out like a specific place, but you can generally look at all the letters to the church about the cure for being in an environment. Maybe it's a family or a work environment. Um, you know, it may be your home where there is direct opposition against you being a good person, being valid, being worthy of anything. Um, we're called to separate our hearts from that. You know, there's a whole bunch of nuances. One of them, one of the, the things is when someone's, someone's living as if they're serving a different God, don't treat them like you're serving the same God. That means you don't put weight on, on their words and you go back to the words of Jesus and you put weight there and you surround yourself with the community. This is one of the biggest strengths of having a church family. You surround yourself with a family that constantly reminds you that you are loved by Jesus and that God loves you. And, I'm gonna, and the way we remind each other of that is that we treat each other that way with kindness and grace and patience and we bear one another's burdens. This is what the church does. And when we do this, we bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven because we're bringing love to where there's brokenness. We bring hope. We bring the things that are aligned with God's will, like heaven. heaven is, why heaven is awesome? Everything perfectly aligned with God's heart. When we breathe God's heart into brokenness, we are doing our part to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. So, what's next for you? I'm going to close just with this. We'll have Jeff and the band come back up. What's next for you? Something. Something is next for you. I don't know where all of you are, um, but something is next for you. We're all in different phases of our journey with God. But if you're at a place where you're ha you have to overcome something and some you, you're not feeling peace in a situation, but you need help. The love of God is the source of your help. And we can share that with each other. Maybe you feel like you're lost and you don't belong in a, even in a church. That's a lie. Your, your past, your sins, your fears, the way people have treated you has zero impact on God's love for you. It's impossible for him to love you anymore and he loves you right now. In this moment, you sit here with forgiveness extended to you, grace extended to you, kindness, love, patience, peace, joy. How about this? Purpose. Your purpose in life is extended to you from God himself as we respond just like Jesus did in that, in that word of, of went and go. It's like our purpose is to go and make disciples. Our purpose is to go and share the love of Jesus with people in a way that inspires them to long for the love of Jesus. And it's just simply loving them. And the, 
I've said this before, and this will be a mantra here but the, uh, for me, but the, uh, the message of Jesus is clear. It's not about right and wrong. It's about love, and that changes everything. Because if you've been in a relationship or if you had this perception of God and church and religion as if it's a whole bunch of rules that you have to do in order to please some, you know, invisible force, then you've been sold a lie. That's, about, that's obsessing about right and wrong and making sure you do the right things in order to earn God's love, but that's not how it is. There's a relationship that God has with you where you are his child and he is your Abba. He is your parent. He is your, and when it says father, it's not just a better version of your dad. It's like holy parent that you are intimate with and in awe of. Navigate that. That's something to ponder for the rest of your life. The joy that comes from obedience, the peace that comes from obedience the strength that we get to overcome those hurdles, to get to peace, comes from the fact that we're loved. And if you walk out of here, I want you to walk out of here with two points, maybe. Maybe two. One, as you sit, you're loved. Point one A, to fully feel the peace of that love. There's an act of obedience that God is asking you to do. If you read scripture like that, it all kind of takes on a new, come unto me and I will give you rest. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Charla and Kent are available to pray for you every week. They want to be there to help guide you through this process. They are trustworthy, wise, discerning people. There's an opportunity for you to pray with them. If you have a friend here that you're close with and there's something intimate that you need to confess, grab the friend and and do that. If you don't have a friend, I want you to reach out on the communication card and one of our pastoral staff will reach out to you. We want to help you live in the peace of the love of God. Imagine what can happen if we all had the boldness every day that comes from being unified together in the love of God every day. We will see a movement of the Holy Spirit. As we respond to obedience, God will respond with peace. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we wrestle with things today, God, as we face the reality of who we are and who you are, and your love for us that is so transformative, that is so pure and so perfect. Father, let us not buy into the lies that tell us that we're not worthy, that we're not loved, that we're not good enough.
And let us embrace the truth that as we sit, your love for us is on full blast. You are abundantly in love with us. It's impossible for you to think about us without your heart overflowing with affection, love, and hope. Father, let us use that to strengthen us to respond, to overcome those things that bring us shame and guilt and fear and anxiety, and that we respond by trusting in you, tackling those issues one by one, little by little. And I thank you for calling us to do this together, that we're not designed to do this alone, that you do not leave us alone, that you give us your word, you give us your church, and you give us your Holy Spirit to give us power and courage and strength to overcome those things that hold us back. Let us believe in that and trust in that every day. God, we, we place you at the center of this church, at the core of our mission and our purpose. It's the love of Jesus that brings us unity and the mission that drives us forward. Pray your blessing over us as we step out in faith to do bold things, to love in the midst of of brokenness, to respond to evil with good, to embrace those who think differently than we do. Let us be that conduit of peace and grace to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information about Corvallis Church, visit corvallischurch.com and click on Contact Us. We'd love to hear from you and help you explore your own personal story as it relates to today's message. Thanks for listening. He came to save.